So, yeah. So, Jeremy, you have, you've done a product that, in, in, in the face mm -hmm. of it, some, some traditionalists will say, oh, you can't interfere with the, the method of production of whiskey. Oh, blah, blah, blah. But you've come up with a product that is environmentally friendly, is, 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 is solving a problem of, oh, in whiskey uh, called the devil's cask. Tell us about it. What is it? Yeah, so um, it, it's a it's a vapor barrier coating that goes on the exterior side of the barrel to minimize angel share, maturation loss, all these types of things. And actually, it's funny enough, I'm talking to you guys about this, and you started off the whole presentation on Dingle Whiskey. It actually spawned from me being at Jameson and Dingle Whiskey about in 2019. So I'll kind of mm. give you a little bit of the backstory there. I, uh, I went on vacation to Ireland 2019, flew into Dublin went up to Northern Ireland and then came over to Dingle. And that was my first whiskey distillery tour ever was at Dingle Whiskey. Oh, um, it was, it was the same, yeah, the same year that they had won best gin uh, at, a, at a festival and the world, really best gin in the world, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, I, I ended up buying three or four bottles of Dingle. I had a, a single, a single pot still and a bunch of other ones. So I'm super interested in that tenure that you were just talking about. Um, I drank it all. <laughs> so yeah, it's really good. Um, and then I ended up traveling, yep, back over to, uh, to Dublin there and, and toured Jameson and went through that whole facility and uh, basically was introduced to the idea of angel share and maturation loss and the idea that whiskey goes in the barrel that ages for 10, 12, 15, 20 years. And by the time they open up that barrel, in a lot of cases, it's sometimes half empty or more, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so just kind of being exposed to that whole idea. Um, and I was curious. I'm like, it's crazy. These companies are just allowing all this spirit to evaporate out of their bottle. It's just, it's losses, right? I mean, that, that's money that if they could bottle it and sell it, that I'm sure they'd be happy to do so. And so I just did a lot of research and started looking into it and found out that um, there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the space in terms of producing and manufacturing whiskey. Uh, and that goes from Irish whiskey to scotch to bourbon, right? Mm -hmm way it's been done for 200 years or more is a lot of the, you know, how they do it today and uh, what we're starting to see. And, and this was really manifest from the idea at Jameson of um, they have a little craft distillery that they have there in, in Dublin called Method and Madness. It's on the same property as Jameson there in Dublin. And uh, then I went across the street over to Guinness and they opened up with Diageo, uh, their own little whiskey distillery called Rowan Co., and it just sparked a light bulb in my head. I was like, man, there's a lot of innovation and a lot of new ideas and the whole boom of craft distilleries, right? Like now is a time that maybe this tried, true, heritage, traditional industry might be looking to adopt new technology, innovation, and progress and kind of bring it into the 21st century. Yeah. And um, so that's really where the whole comp the idea of Devil's Cast came from. We primarily are a technology and innovation company as a resource for existing distilleries and cooperages alike to kind of modernize themselves and get into the 21st century with newer technologies while keeping the flavors and the processes tried, true, and traditional. What we like to talk about is innovation without disruption. Yeah. Right. You still produce and manufacture everything the same way you've always done it. You still get the same flavor profiles and have the same stories and the same. But from a corporate business perspective, 
um, they're able to produce more product. Yeah. And ultimately, the demand for bourbon and Irish whiskey and everything is, as you guys know, it's through the roof over the past couple Absolutely. of years. Um, and they can't keep up. Uh, they, they can't produce enough of it. They, they there's not enough barrels. <laughs> and if they can't, can't produce enough, the price goes like this. Exactly. And so you're seeing all those things. And yeah. so the technology that we've patented and developed and are implementing um, allows for up to 20% more bottled spirit to come out of a barrel. So traditionally where you may have been getting 300 or 350 bottled uh, proof bottles out of a barrel, uh, we can increase that number to over 400 in some cases. And that allows for those distilleries to make more of your favorite whiskeys and maintain a similar price point without having to escalate it, right? So yeah. it's great for the consumer, it's great for the business, um, all those types of things. So. Now, in terms of reduction, you sent over a couple of graphics uh, about. Yeah. Um, in terms of the reduction from, I mean, you your company's based in Fort Worth in Texas. Yes. Now, in terms of when people talk about angel share, in Scotland mm -hmm. they lost about two percent a, right. a year, roughly. Yeah. Um, in Texas, that's considerably more because of mm -hmm. the. So. I mean, these days, everything is about environmentally respons environmental responsibility, environmentally aware, stop wastage, all of that kind of stuff. Um, right. in, in terms of, in Texas, roughly, what percentage would you guys be losing? 10? It's 7% on average in Texas. Uh, Kentucky, when you're producing bourbon, typically is 3 to 4%. Um, and then we've also even started exploring, again, this can be used for anything barrel-aged spirits, so... Uh, Añejo and extra Añejo tequila in Mexico and rum and all that in the Caribbean, they actually experience sometimes up to 10% a year yeah. of loss just due to you put the whiskey or the spirit in the barrel and you let it sit there and 12 months later, it could be 10%, you know, lighter. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's pretty fascinating. And uh, that's a lot of money they're losing <laughs> just by going through the natural process. And what we try to do, what the technology allows for is, to maintain a lot of that spirit still in the barrel while allowing oxygen still to come in and allow for those oxidative reactions and things that really help mature and develop the character of the whiskey that we're all familiar with uh, while just minimizing the amount of losses that are, that occurs. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously what's your, what's your background? Um, is it yeah. So chemical engineering. So, um, my whole career so far has been based on a very similar process to this as waterproofing, vapor barriers, all those types of things. And again, that's where, you know, the, the light bulb went off in my head about, you know, I was doing everything vapor barrier, waterproofing, uh, air, air and oxygen transmission exchange rates um, for all kinds of different industries. And um, I was like, man, this would be a really cool one to solve and, and to tackle. So, um, yeah, we, for the past three years, that's what I've been doing. And, and I've got a great team behind us at Devil's Cask here and making all kinds of progress on it. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So Yeah, the whiskey industry is a lot more fun than uh -huh. <laughs> I read in the, in the blur, but riffing. Is it? Yeah, exactly. Riffing, riffing's in the, and this is, I, I have to get my riff fixed, by the way. I'm going to do some of this up in my riff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, whiskey's a bit sexier than riffing, I think. Um, I, what is it? Because um, in my head, yeah. I have this idea of, of it. 
you, you're, you're gluing up the, the, whole, yeah. the stop the you know, exactly. So it's, it's not glue. And I want to make sure that everyone understands we're not just gluing it all together. Right. It's, it's a silicone. So we're all kind of familiar with silicone, right. In terms of uh, your frying pan in your kitchen probably has a silicone handle on it. Right. Yeah. Things like that. A lot of medical devices and medical equipment has silicone. Um, so it's very similar to that. And the, the beauty of the technology is it's breathable. So it allows for air and oxygen to still what we call passivate or transmit through the membrane, which allows again for the oxygen and air to get in the barrel still while restricting, not completely cutting off. It, it's a breathable membrane mm -hmm. that still allows for the natural processes. It just reduces them or slows them down so that over the course of roughly five or 10 years for Irish whiskey, whatever it may be, um, you experience a 40% reduction in what you would have normally been seeing in terms of losses, volume losses, right? Yep. So, so, so I mean, Jody Burke is making a point here that some mm -hmm. of the, some of the maturation, yeah, it, it takes on the, the romance of it is that it's down yep. and it takes on that sort of <clears throat> briny character, excuse me. Um, so does that prevent it? You know, because right. in my head, it's like you're sealing up the cask. You're not letting anything out, but you're saying it's breathable. So exactly, it, it, is, it is not sealing it. So that, that that's the trick and the beauty of it. It is um, we could seal it if we wanted to, but that's not not the point. We want to minimize so it still breathes. It still allows for some ethanol and emissions to come out of the barrel, and it still allows for air and the natural environment around the terroir, right, of all that to like affect. Yeah. Um, but it just minimizes the amount of losses that you experience from barrel leaks, dehydrated staves, cracked barrels, all those types of things. It can kind of buffer and mitigate some of the damages and, and just uh, durability that the barrel has, right, over time. Somebody else is asking there, uh, Tony Seller, mm -hmm. is, is the plastic removable to allow uh, cask repair? Yeah, so it, it's um, it's not plastic. It, it's a rubber membrane that we're painting on. So it is brush applied, spray applied. It very much goes on like a paint, Marty. I think you were kind of alluding to that a little bit. It, it goes on like a paint and cures into a durable rubber. And that rubber is breathable and has pores, very much like your skin, right? Your skin does a great job of keeping all the moisture and water in your body kind of thing, but you still sweat and breathe, right? And that's very similar to what the technology does for the barrels. It still allows the dis distillate, the whiskey in the barrel to interact with the wood and get all the extractives and congeners and organoleptics, all of those great flavors that you want while still allowing for air to ingress into the barrel and, and have all those reactions that, uh, you know, produce vanillin and all the different things that you really want, right? Yeah. D did you have to get FDA approval or does it exactly. not come into so that? Yeah, that's a big thing we've been working on. Um, <laughs> we have been going through the process of getting it FDA food compliant, NSF, all the different international committees to have it be registered as safe. Um, right now, internally, yes, we, we recommend and, and use that product like that. Um, we are still going through the the official processes to do all that because it takes a little bit of time. Um, but I would say right now we're a couple weeks away from officially getting the stamp of approval as well as the patent on all of it. So we're we're just a couple weeks away from finalizing all that and um, all the results so far are very favorable and we will be achieving that here in the next couple of weeks. So Linda Cox is asking the question, uh, yeah. how long has it been in the market and who's using it? 
or is anyone using it yet? Or have yeah, you we, we have we have distilleries all over the United States using it right now. Um, just based on just confidentiality and some stuff, I probably can't disclose a lot of the names, um, but they're very much bottles and spirits that you can find on the shelf that many of you have probably had before with bourbon and some Texas distilleries and some stuff like that. Um, so it, it is being used um, and we are getting it, you know, just it's an emerging technology and more and more customers, distilleries and cooperages are adopting the technology as well. And so that's where the team um, is really doing a lot of effort to get it, you know, more mass market accepted. And our next step is to come over to Scotland and Ireland. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully in a couple of weeks here, uh, there's the World Distilled Spirits Conference in Scotland and Edinburgh over there. Yeah. And uh, we're hoping to, you know, have some great, great conversations over there as well. So now, I'm just I'm just thinking of a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's stopping the, the, the ethanol essentially coming out, or, and water as well, but I mean, yeah. water's not going to do any damage, ethanol is. Um, there was a big case in, in uh, Tennessee recently about uh, the, the, the whiskey fungus. Yes. Now, obviously, I mean, it reduces that, I assume. Yeah. If not as much ethanol, then you don't need, not, you don't need the same protections there. That, that'd be fair enough. Yeah, the uh, the whiskey fungus thing is is pretty interesting. And in Diageo, Johnny Walker, you know, all that that team over there in Scotland, they've had you know some some concerns with that over the past ten years as well. And that that whiskey fungus, that black mold or algae, is a naturally occurring fauna. But the um, the uh, the food stock for it that allows it to grow is the ethanol, right? Yeah. So it's very much concentrated around rick houses warehouses and distilleries um and really it, it eats the ethanol in the air so uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that we are looking into further is our technology by reducing the amount of ethanol emissions that the warehouse and the rick house experiences it may decrease the food food supply the food stock of that whiskey fungus and ultimately minimize its growth Right. So those are some fun things that we're looking at. Um, I don't want to have I don't want to we don't have definitive evidence on all of that yet. But those are some tests and some experiments that we are running and working with some distilleries on. Um, so, yeah, so surely, surely that, that's logical. If you cut down the food yeah. source, you can't, that's not going to grow. And exactly. I mean, and then another thing, I know this because of the, there's not as much ethanol getting out, would, would that make it? safer in terms of fire compliance and stuff you know that, that yeah, there, we, we've looked into a lot of those types of things too it's really interesting you know a, a rick house or a warehouse can store 20 to forty thousand barrels right of, of whiskey in it and all of that ethanol and emissions can, can, can create you know hazardous conditions like that oh, like the, the vapor in the air can very much alcohol is flammable right so um there we are looking into some of those things as well um, even from a corrosion standpoint, there's a lot of, you know, the infrastructure that supports that buildings, those, those warehouses in some cases can be six stories, seven stories tall. Yeah. Um, and in, in a year or two, we found that the bolts in the infrastructure and the hoops on the barrels and all that become rusted within months, um, yeah. especially in more humid and higher temperature conditions like in Texas and Kentucky, maybe not so much in Ireland, but you do have a lot of humidity there from the rainy days, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but, oh yeah, or so you've been just, through the roof in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, but just looking at it from that perspective, right? From how how the reducing the emissions in the air in the local environment of the warehouse 
can ultimately support the infrastructure, reduce whiskey fungus growth. There's a, a lot of things like that um, without, again, without affecting the maturation and flavor profile yeah. development of the spirit. And that's really what we're experiencing and seeing is the industry has been so hesitant to make any change to their, you know, their format and how they do things, how they produce whiskey, because they don't want to change the flavor. You know, customers have, they're very demanding and adamant that this is, this is my single malt. This is how it should taste. And in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, it should taste the same way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have actually done experiments about this, Jeremy, yeah. and the stuff doesn't actually taste the same <laughs> 10, 15 years apart. Yeah. Just, just so as you know, we have we have a special about that too, Marty. As, yeah. the, as the distilleries, and it's that, it's that idea of flavor drift, you know, that the, the, they tell you that Johnny Walker Red Label is exactly the same as it was 200 years right. ago. They're sweeter. It's not. You know, it's not, let's be honest. But no, that's that's not to do with what you're doing. That, that's to do with their blending pro product mm -hmm. uh, and their natural ingredients. But you, you're, you're, this product, I, I see in my head, uh, and I assume this is probably, the likes of Diageo have been trying to do loads of different things with this. You know, I remember reading about them doing where they were, they were actually had vents to try and take the ethanol mm -hmm. out of the, the warehouse to put it by, right. you know, and all, all these mad experiments. Um, it seemed mad, but I mean, we're trying to save money. Yeah. Um, in terms of cost, okay, in terms of cost, mm -hmm. I, I see this probably really going towards the grain aspect because yeah. the, the, the grain distilling, we all know they use old casks. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, the shape of some of the casks are. are yeah, ropey, very ropey because they're yeah. not really looking for any flavor from the cask. It's basically to tick a box for, um, for, for the the the, the PGA right. for the the, the technical fight, um, and to stop any evaporation out of that, they're not really looking for the flavor, um, per se. It's just for blending purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems to me like a no-brainer for them. You know, they, they if it's not affecting the flavor, the cask's mm -hmm. not really doing very much anyway. It's just to seal in and stop wastage and stop stop yeah. pushing. Exactly. So it's very much overcoming that mindset of tried, true, traditional heritage. This is how we've always done it. This is the process. And again, kind of modernizing innovation and just progressing the, the industry from a manufacturing perspective into the next generation, right? And that's yeah, that's yeah. really what we're focusing on. This technology specifically does help with some of that. It helps from, a, like I said, a corporate financial perspective and that they can produce and sell more whiskey today by doing the exact same thing they've always been doing, except just buying or utilizing coated barrels um, and produce 20% more, more spirit. So, you know, shareholders love that, you know, 20% uh, gains in yields overnight by just, you know, implementing what we've ultimately seen as a 25 to 50 cent per bottle increase on, on their price mm -hmm. um, from, the, from the distillery or cooperage perspective. Um, so for, for pennies on the dollar, uh, you can produce significantly more product, right? Yeah. I've just thought of it. This, this Scotland could use this to beat the income and tax. Yeah. They've, they've got a massive tax increase coming, uh, okay. basically an inflation, inflationary mm -hmm. style tax. You know, inflation, inflation's not good. But no, I mean, long term, in terms of the grain product, I, I see yeah. absolutely no reason why you wouldn't do it. I mean, the Indian market, I yes. mean, the amount of 
is enormous, and the amount mm. that they can loss, and it would be a way that they could sort of keep price down. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the the number one whiskey in India is McDowell's number one. They sell like fifty two million cases a year, McDowell's. like one bottle. It's it's absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Diageo does a phenomenal job with that, and uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, they they lose ten percent a year in India yeah. to I mean, maturation there, loss. So there is there is this um, the, the 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 sort of romance of making whiskey. You know there mm. is that romance, but yeah, it's all said and done. Of it, 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 it is just a, a lot of it's wasted. Um, right. I mean, you you had um, you, whenever you went to Jameson, they they mm -hmm. tell you they lost is it twenty five thousand bottles a day. Yes, exactly. So just they have roughly 1.5, 1.6 million barrels of Irish whiskey maturing at any given moment in time. And maybe now it's more. Right. Um, and if you just do the math, two to three percent loss per year, it's around twenty six thousand bottles of Jameson, the traditional standard green bottle that we all love and, and drink all the time uh, is what they lose per day yeah. to, to maturation loss. And you know, the advantage of this technology by reducing the maturation loss by up to 40%, you know, they're able to produce or save another 10, 10 to 15,000 bottles of Jameson a day. A day. <laughs> you know, so it's it's huge dollars and, uh, and value to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the, again, those are the types of conversations that we're starting to have and would really, you know, continue to love having those conversations. And that's really the true uh, value of of the technology to the corporate businesses, to the consumers, again, you get to produce more whiskey and keep that price point lower. But then going back to the sustainability piece, there's a big, you know, concern with trees, right, in, in the United States, because a lot of the barrels that are used to make scotch and Irish whiskey, those are ex-bourbon barrels, right, that get shipped overseas. And the amount of trees that are available to produce the staves to make the barrels, they're in short supply, right? So in the next 10 to 20 years, there's not, the demand for whiskey is gonna be significantly outpaced by the amount of barrels that can be produced. And it's just gonna, you think whiskey is expensive today, you know, you're talking about 1,200 and $2,000 bottles um, at the beginning of the show, those same bottles will be so much more expensive in 15 years because they just won't have the barrels to put them in anymore. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, again, by capitalizing on producing more whiskey out of the same amount of barrels you have today, you don't need to buy 20% more barrels, right? Yeah. You can use the same amount of barrels you have today, produce 20% more spirit. That's really the value add that we that we are supplying to the cooperages and to the distilleries. And again, it's it's all over the world. It, it's a global problem, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now, Tony Sellett is commenting here. Tony's a qualified cooper. Okay, awesome. He is a cooper, and he's asking a question: When rolling the cask, when mm -hmm. you roll the cask, does that scuff off the seal, or does that, you know, does that impair it? Exactly. One of the things that we're trying to do with the coating is improve the durability and performance. Knowing that when you flip the barrel on its side, those things full are six hundred pounds when they're full of whiskey, right? Rolling well, the like exactly. Um, so we are we are working on the durability of the technology to make sure it is scuff and abrasion resistant. Um, some of the things that we're also trying as well, and Tony actually mentioned this, is most of the maturation loss and the leaks on barrels come from the crows and chime. It's the lip of the barrel, the head, 
that goes to the lip there, that's where you get most of your losses, right? So just by coating that quarter hoop up and around the edge over onto the head, you actually can get 60 to 70% of the efficacy of the technology just by coating that that specific area. Yeah. So I, we, I think, Jeremy, you, you've done a lot, a lot of research and in yeah. a lot more aspects of this <laughs> than you're letting on than you're letting on in your product. Uh -huh. <laughs> there you go. But but uh, yeah. go on, continue on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so yeah. I mean for 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 rolling it, one of the things that we've looked at is um not necessarily coding the the bilge or like the the belly of the barrel right so that you don't get any of that performance issues um, around around the belly and you still maintain the heads of the chime the crows area of the barrel um as as still being sealed yeah tony's like i've got a hundred questions <laughs> and, and tony send, send them all my way and, and i'll work with you on them but well i mean the thing the thing is this is a guy that knows what he's talking about this is a guy <laughs> who's done his time served as a He's, a, he's the kind of guy everybody wants to be know mm -hmm. what Tony is thinking about this. Yeah. Um, is it applied once? Linda's asking, is it applied once or every fill? Yeah, so it, it is It is applied um, at the initial uh, like rearing or raising of the barrel right at the beginning. Um, but we have done uh, instances where there's existing barrels in inventory or existing barrels at the distillery that you can coat. Um, again, there are some instances where a barrel in the United States is dismantled into just independent staves and it's shipped over and that's reassembled into a, a hogshead barrel or whatever, a different size or different configuration. Um, we would might maybe want to do some touch-ups on some of those areas, just like in specifically the, the crows and chime or maybe some of the stave joints, things like that, um, to really en enhance the efficacy there. I, I will say that um, you probably want to do some light maintenance on the barrel every once in a while. I mean, they do today. Um, to. Yeah, they, they they do inspections on the warehouses and see which barrels are leaking. And if they're leaking, they 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 fix them. And in some cases, have to recuperate barrels. All these different things, right? Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Yeah. What, what whiskeys do you drink? Oh, um, so I'm a huge fan of Scotch peated whiskeys. Um, so I, I would say, honestly, my my two favorite bottles, yeah, Ardbeg's awesome. Well, we're not to discuss this. <laughs> um, my two favorite bottles are definitely going to be um, Elijah Craig Bourbon uh, Cask Strength. I I love that. Um, that's one of my favorites in the United States. And then for Scotch specific, specifically, it's Lagavulin. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of Lagavulin and 16 and all the different ones. And um, but, yeah, it's lovely. Um, yeah. All three, all three of those distilleries in the south coast of uh, of Isla. Um, yeah. Out of the three of them, Lagavulin would be the sort of refined one. That's a bit. Yeah. It's still a bit of a. It's still a bit of a boy racer, but it's a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a bit more mature. You know. Yeah, but that that I mean, think about that company. It's they've got I think it's in the second generation or third generation family, and it's been around for almost more two hundred years, right? And it, it's just it's phenomenal going back to the tradition and heritage and all that kind of stuff. It's it's just amazing. Um, it's just across the water for me, by the way. It's about yeah, about an hour and a half in the boat across exactly. the water. <laughs> but no, they, 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 they yeah, I'm glad I'm yeah. glad that you've a, a, you're a. A, a bit of a a phenolic peanut fan because mm -hmm. I, I I love peanut whiskeys um, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes peat just adds so much to whiskey really yeah 
I, I think it's, it's a beautiful flavor. I think that's added in there for sure. My, my, um, my girlfriend won my heart by saying, I like whiskey. And I hear that a lot. I hear it all the time. And normally it's, oh, yeah, I love whiskey. I had one Jameson last Christmas kind of thing, you know. Yeah. She, said, she said, oh, I love that. I can't really pronounce it right. Is it La Progue? La Progue? And I, I look at this cute wee thing. La Progue. Oh, and I love the task strength ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's my kind of girl. Yeah, yeah. strength. That's that's a that's a fun time. <laughs> no, I, I mean it's a super whiskey. But the, the, the craft. I mean, you guys are involved with the the, the whiskey scene in the states, mm -hmm. and we are seeing just an explosion of whiskeys over there, an explosion yeah. of distilleries. And yeah. Texas is a real hotbed. I mean, I, I've I spent a few months there in in El Paso over in West Texas, and uh, I mean the amount of small craft distilleries who to be fair a lot of them were doing beer and have just upscaled a little bit mm -hmm. um and are you getting good results are you getting good yeah and i'll give you some of the numbers there um in the united states over the past six to seven years there's been 1700 new distilleries producing whiskey <laughs> so just to give you an idea of how much of a boom the craft distillery market is is yeah. 1700 plus distilleries over the past seven years in texas alone it is the largest amount of distilleries in a single state in the united states yeah. it has become more than kentucky more than tennessee um again texas is just huge there are about 150 whiskey distilleries in texas that's incredible like it's incredible i mean and yeah. the thing is um we, I was in El Paso uh, last year and we got talking to the guys in the distillery in El Paso and it's the age how quickly some of the spirit, depending obviously on where it is how quickly mm -hmm. it ages and matures yes. these, these guys were aging whiskey for, for six, eight months mm -hmm. and I tell you, it, was, it, was, it was extremely good for what it was it was yeah. like $35 a bottle yeah, yeah. Like beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Yeah, it's very interesting to see the stuff that's going on in Texas because of the heat and everything, mm -hmm. right? You know, we're all very familiar with Irish whiskey and scotch being very long-term, like you said at the beginning of the show, very long-term durations of time, 6, 12, 18 years and beyond, right? Um, in Texas, because of the heat and the, the, the thermal cycles, you experience really hot summers and some colder winters. And even, you know, just throughout the course of the day, they use, they tend to use smaller format barrels. So 30 gallon barrels, which is a higher surface area ratio of liquid to wood, right? Yeah. So you can get more extractives and pull more out of the wood quicker. And then you effectively put that in a heat chamber, right? And you heat that up and allow that to happen quicker. So that's where you, yeah, it's crazy to think that you can get six and eight month old whiskey and it, and it tastes pretty good. I oh. mean, it's going to have a different, very different flavor profile than an Irish yeah. whiskey or scotch because it, some of those things do take time to come out, but it doesn't taste young the way I, you know, if no. you had a three-year-old Irish whiskey versus that at six months, mm -hmm. you would struggle. I mean, it's a totally, totally different yep. flavor profile. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think what's happening in the states is really, really, really exciting. And yep. I, I did a news conference for uh, with a guy, and the guy asked a question about where was the next um, whiskey. Uh, the region with you know with a Japan and you mm -hmm. know and I said the states has to be 
because yeah, the, the, you know, stuff. yeah, yeah. There's um, just to kind of give you guys some insight. There, there's a big push right now for something called American single malt. Yeah. So it's taking the Scotch whiskey production methods, and rather than it just being bourbon, which has to be in Kentucky, you know, there's sure. going to be an American single malt category that is all encompassing of the United States. Yeah. And there are several distilleries. I mean, Diageo just made a big acquisition of Balcones Distillery in Waco, Texas, yeah. primarily based on the idea that, you know, they're one of the leaders and pioneers for American single malt. Yeah. And they, they are putting their money in that. They think that's what's going to be, um, you know, where the growth is. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of American single malt stuff coming out. So, yeah. How would that work when you have places like Alaska and Hawaii and, you know, even within the, the lower 48, it varies from virtually the tropics to the alpine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get a huge variety of flavors. And again, that's why there's so much of a, a boom of the distilleries. There's There were 1,700 that have come up over the last seven years, but in total, there's over 2,100 distilleries in the United States. And they're all making a different name for themselves. They're all creating different spirits and having their own little different nuances. And um, that's one of the things that we love as a company from Devil's Cask. Again, the innovation, technology and progress and trying new things. Um, one of the really cool things about the technology with Devil's Cask is once like, like a cherry wood or something that has historically never been very waterproof or very tight, mm -hmm. you can't you can't fashion a barrel out of it because it's just too porous and it'll leak. What we've started experimenting with is taking some of those barrels, coating them to make them more watertight. And now you can actually mature spirit in them for two, three, four years without having to worry about it leaking so much. So it also provides these distilleries with um, different innovation ideas, like trying different woods and trying different stuff um, that they previously just would have it would have been a failure before because when you open that barrel in six months, nothing would be in there because it was just weak like a sieve. You know? Yeah, so. you've covered one of Tony's other questions. He's asking about that. It covers all woods. I mean, it covers all different wood types. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah. Another quick, another quick one. He um, uh, does different liquids affect the covering. So if it's the, if it's a different um, if it's single malt or bourbon or or, or no. Um, yeah, when you really get into it, it's all water and ethanol, right? I mean, the ethanol is produced in a different way. It's distilled with maybe different mash bill or different characteristic characteristics, and those definitely impart certain flavors, right? But at the at a larger scale, it's just ethanol and water. Even when you get into tequila and rum, you know, it's still just ethanol and water going into a barrel. Yeah. Um, so. Well, yep. Tony's going to Tony's going to plague you with questions. Yeah. <laughs> What's the pH? Is it neutral? pH neutral? No. So um, pH. And this is a funny little scientific thing. pH is only based on what you have to have water in the in the in the material to test a pH. The coating is rubber. There's no water in it at all. Um, so there is no pH. There's no detectable or testable pH. Excellent. So, yeah. So, uh, before Tony goes starts on a whole list of stuff, exactly. <laughs> uh, you guys, I think you guys could have a conversation for, for yeah, hours. yeah. Tony, definitely stay in contact with us, and we'll get your information from Marty and Justin here. Absolutely. And it looks like, yeah, you got a ton of questions, and we can continue to even have a separate call with you offline here to kind of you know go through all that. But, but um, I, I wish you every success because as, as, as people go on and do these things, um, and they, they talk about environmentally friendly stuff, and and this is this is something. 
that can be done. It's not going to be compulsory if they want to stay with the romance of all of the craft. Right, but right. for some of the, the big, it's just a waste. A lot of a lot of that. Yeah, I, 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 I can see this being like Coke Classic, Coke, mm -hmm. Coke Zero, and yeah. Coke and Diet. You know, you know so. yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, it, and from a from our company perspective, yeah, it would be phenomenal if we coded every barrel in the world. But that's not the that's not what we want, right? We're just, we, you know, you can just coat five or ten percent of your inventory and get get the the benefits from that and produce more spirit on a little bit. You're in a lot of Irish whiskeys, and if it's not single malt or Scotch whiskeys, it's going to be blended anyway. At least yeah. you're you're getting more volume out of a certain supply or a certain stock. I'm not, or by no means are we going to distilleries and being like, coat all your barrels, right? Because there's still a romance. You still want to have normal, naturally aging barrels that you have a specific, again, you, you really just don't want to touch that and mess with it. And we totally, you know, adhere to that and, and, and recognize it and understand. Um, but from a, from a different perspective, there is also some benefits if you want to look at 10%, 20% of your inventory and maybe try to reap the benefits out of it. Um, yeah, there's definitely some really cool opportunities there. Yeah, right? I wish you every success. I really do. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think I, I think it takes a whole lot of boxes for a whole lot of corporate reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, why wouldn't it be a successful? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have Justin. We need to see what he's gonna do tonight because I don't have one of these. These are the <laughs> I have got. I'm not actually allowed to say what this is. I've only got a tiny, tiny little bit of it. I got just enough to wet my lips, and I can't say what it is, mm -hmm. but it is magnificent. Um, it, it, it's it's going to be released in a few a few weeks' time, and I'm not allowed to say what it is, but I assure you this will be the only time I'll ever get you taste it. <laughs> because if you see those other bottles that I was talking about yeah. being expensive, uh, hold my beer. This 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 will blow that all off out park. So I've got a little dribble of it. So Justin, I'm going to go and enjoy this. Look, 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 Justin, look how lovely this is. You got me jealous over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say in public what it is, but if you hang about after we stop recording, I'll tell you. Um, Jeremy, I wish you every success. Stay yeah. in touch. Let us know what's going yeah. on. Definitely. Do you, set, do you get a set of earplugs? Because Tony's going to ask you about a million questions if he says, "Oh, but good on you, Tony. Thank you very much for all the yeah. information." So, yeah, best of luck, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, very all much. Right. Thanks so much for everything, guys. Thanks everyone in the chat as well. Thanks. Hang about Stay there for us. Uh, remember, we're on Twitch, we're on Telegram, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're also on uh, Rumble and D Live as well, and. Anything else that I can find, they upload it to. You can even find an audio uh, version if you ask your smart speaker to play Irish Whiskey Review. Uh, catch you same time, same place next week.